I want to pick and choose what I love and what lights me up and what excites me today. I don't want to be dreading payroll or dreading, like, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be thinking, oh, I've got to post on social media today. Like, I want to get all of that off my plate. And the only way to do that is to truly start to figure out, like, well, what are the next steps and who do I hire next? And I'm just a big, big believer in delegating. I don't want to add things to my plate. I want to remove things and I want to zone in on what I am truly, really good at. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world. You're now one simple tip, practical tool, and small step away from growing your business. One Next Step is brought to you by Belay, the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media managers. Accomplish more, juggle less. Modern staffing from Belay. And now to your hosts. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm LZ, and I'm joined as always by my amazing co-host, Ryan. Hey, LZ, you truly are the amazing one, and we have an amazing conversation for our listeners today. See, today, our CEO, Trisha Shortino, is joined by Stacy Tushel for a conversation about the four-step process you can use to stop getting in your way of your business's growth and start delegating more effectively. Stacy is the CEO and founder of the Foot Traffic Formula, and she's an expert at helping business owners scale without burning out, sacrificing more of their time, or making the business more complicated than it actually needs to be. Stacy is also a best-selling author, podcast host, and the owner of multiple seven-figure businesses, so she has a true wealth of experience to share with our listeners. If you've ever felt like you had to choose between growing your business and avoiding burnout, this episode is for you. Speaking of burnout, LZ, let's talk really quickly about time and how there's never enough of it. But what if you could have an extra 15 hours every week? Sounds too good to be true? It's not. With the help of Belay, the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with subscription-based virtual assistant, bookkeeper, and social media manager services, you could reclaim an average of 15 hours every week delegating just five tasks. Accomplish more, juggle less. Modern staffing from Belay. Now, let's dive into today's conversation. Hey, Stacy, Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. How are you? I am so good. I am really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Me too. I, I actually personally am looking forward to this conversation, and I know it's going to be um, great, informative tidbits that we can get out to our audience as well. But before we even get started um, talking all things yeah. shop, if you will, I would love to know if you wouldn't mind telling us the story of you starting your very first business. Yeah. So it's actually going to be 20 years in August, which is crazy, wow. so crazy. So right out of high school, I, I was a dancer in high school. I was actually just got into dance in high school, which is very late for a dancer. And I didn't mm -hmm. want to stop dancing, but I wasn't good enough to go professional when I had started so late. So I thought, well, I'll just teach a middle school team. They're younger than me, right? They'll, they'll want to do this. So we did a competitive middle school team. I put passed out flyers in, in my neighborhood. And, and now we had 17 girls show up that first summer. And within three years, I had 100 kids coming to my parents' backyard. Wow. And then a church gave us a, a free, like their basement for free in the winter. So I'm here in Wisconsin. So 
I didn't think I was starting a business. I thought I was just continuing my passion. I it did it for free. I mm-hmm. I charged people to pay for the competitions and pay for the uniforms mm-hmm. and all of that. But I charged them like if the costume was twenty seven forty two, I charged twenty seven forty two. Like there was literally zero mm-hmm. percent profit margin. And within about three years, my my family starts to see what's going on. And they, my, my grandfather actually started a construction business over 50 years ago. And my parents, grandparents, everybody worked in that business while I was growing up. So they were entrepreneurs and they saw what was happening and they're like, we don't know anything about dance, but we think this might be a business. Like we, we think a hundred kids, like this was just a hundred kids one, like every Sunday I was only teaching one day because I was going to school full time. So I I was so excited when they said that I had no idea I could ever charge and do this. But uh, three years in, I incorporated, got a space to rent and actually started charging and and officially jumped into it. So today I have two dance and music schools for children. So like your typical ballet, Mm -hmm. tap, jazz, the little ones come. And then um, we've been grossing over a million dollars a year. I mean, selling to a, a market maybe within nine miles of one of those two studios and have about 50 employees and have been completely out of the business now for almost nine years. So really figuring out how to get it to run without me. And then, yeah, like that, that, so that's my first business. And then I started teaching people how I did that in my second business, which is now Foot Traffic. Which is what we're here to talk about. Okay. So that is, that is an amazing story. Wow. I love it. And that's the perfect segue into what is going to be a great, great conversation. Um, So many people struggle to lead, truly, and lead organizations. Um, we see it all the mm-hmm. time here at Belay, and I'm, and I'm sure you do as well now with your new coaching business. So I'd love to, I'd love to ask you this, you know, profoundly open, you know, question, which is truly resonates with so many people. Why are so many people getting in their way of their own mm. business growth? Yeah. Ugh. And that's what it is. It's us getting in our own way when we're thinking, why, why isn't the business growing fast enough? And why isn't, and we have these external situations where we're blaming, but it, it is us. And maybe that's part of the reason is we don't even see it's us. Mm-hmm. We are blaming other things, right? It's, it's the market and my market's saturated or Facebook ads were working and now they're not working and just all the things. So mm-hmm. because we're looking externally, we can't fix and remove ourselves of as that bottleneck. So it is common. We do it all the time. We do it at every stage. You might have removed yourself when you were finally hitting, you know, 100,000 a year, but then you started growing and you became a bottleneck at that next stage when you had to hire or you had to fire, right? Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship is a lot of uncomfortable moments and, you know, just it's not something we've done before. So slowing down, firing the person that needs to be fired or hiring somebody because we're afraid to hire and bring on that investment. Like, all of those things are basically allowing us to be the bottleneck. Yeah. And I think, you know, you bring up the most, probably the hardest and most interesting part of leadership and entrepreneurship is the hiring component. Yeah. It's probably one of the biggest decisions we make in the day to day as a business leader is who we work with and who we don't. <laughs> so absolutely. absolutely. Who are the right and wrong people that we allow into our organization or our circle? So how could you help a business owner identify who is their next hire? Who yeah. who that person should be? Yeah. So first, just really realizing you do need help, like at any stage, right? Most of us need to hire. So just even getting to that 
that place of believing I need to hire is a milestone. I always say like, you know, there's three main organi- or, or areas in your business, right? There is the marketer, the person who is trying to bring in more income, right? Um, there is fulfillment, keeping your current clients happy and wanting to renew and refer and all the things. And then there's that like operations business, like not, not like mm-hmm. exciting piece, right? But it's the stuff that has to happen. So marketing, um, fulfillment, operations, like those are three Mm -hmm. undeniable departments in your business. Now, in the beginning, you're all three of them, right? And you're probably doing one pretty well because that's where you naturally fall. Like I'm naturally a marketer. I love that piece. But I might be so excited to market and get new people that I suffer on the delivery because I'm not, I don't have time to focus over there. And I'm just focusing on getting new, getting new, right? But then maybe somebody's like a natural processor and they love systems and they love checklists and they're like systematizing the whole business. Yeah, totally. (laughs) totally me. (laughs) You're systematizing, but maybe you're systematizing too soon. Like, do you Mm. have the numbers to be having the luxury to be back end behind the scenes, right? So I always tell people, Figure out who you are. So Trisha's the back-end operations. I'm the marketer, right? So if you and I were working together, Mm. I would say we need somebody to be head of fulfillment. Like Mm. we need to get our weakness in here and get it in now because if I can focus on marketing and Trisha, you can do the back-end and we can get somebody to love up on our clients, oh my goodness, we've just built the dream team, right? So I want you to look at who you are, right? What's your number one? What's your number two? And then I would outsource your number three. So maybe somebody on your team already, you were like, oh, wow, I have a Trisha or I have like, right, this mm-hmm. person would be great at it. Put them in charge of owning that, owning operations or owning fulfillment, right? And then from there, after you've outsourced number three and they've helped you bring back that revenue to make it make sense, go outsource your second. And then at some point, you actually outsource the thing you're best at because mm-hmm. It's not that I don't do marketing anymore. I just don't own the marketing department, right? I'm still in there. I'm visionary. I'm I'm creating content. But my marketing team is looking at the numbers and, and saying, could you make a video on this? Could you do a podcast on that, right? So it's right. really, really good to get you, the CEO, out of the ownership seat in those three roles. But it take it's one step at a time. You're not going to hire three people at one time and then just step away. Right. Well, so many people have such a hard time truly delegating any of it. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's the, you know, really small startup who feels like as the owner and entrepreneur, they should do everything or they feel like nobody will be able to come on and do a better job than I am because I'm so passionate and this is my company. So what do you say to leaders who want to get better at delegating, should get Mm. better in delegating, and what are some communication strategies they could and should implement around delegating? For sure. So I do a lot of parenting analogies when I'm talking about Mm. employee with the boss, right? And I mean, think about it. It it is very similar, right? No disrespect comparing an employee to a child, like nothing like that. I'm just saying the way that we lead as a parent, a lot of times is the way we lead with our team members. So just like, you know, if you've got a a young child and they all of a sudden want a cell phone, right? They may not have shown responsibility enough yet to give them a cell phone. So you may start giving them some tests and like seeing if they could, or maybe you give them the cell phone, but they break it and you're like, no more. (laughs) You've lost it, right? (laughs) It's the same thing when it comes to our employees. Start to give small tests and let them earn your trust. Let them earn your respect. And, and, The problem is 
a lot of people don't even let go enough to give a small sample project. So they're like, well, I don't think, I don't think they could handle it. It's like, well, you've never actually given them an, an activity to try to handle it. So you're thinking this without actually seeing if it's true. So why not test something and see how they do? Don't give them something where if they drop the ball, it's major and it's going to mess up everything, right? Give them something where it's not as major and you could easily fix it knowing they didn't do it, right? So I remember one of my friends said, I told my team member two weeks ago to send out this email to remind all of our friends we were doing something. And she's like, and I'm testing her. And I want to see, never going to bring it up again. And I want to see if she sends it out without me having to remind her. Because that will show that I can just brain dump something on her plate and she'll take care of it. And she sent it out. And that gained her the trust of, wow, I can just start saying, could you do this? Could you do that? And I can trust that she's going to do it. Now, if she didn't send it out, it's like reel it back in. She's not able to just list things out and have that person do it, right? So again, don't test on something that, oh my goodness, you've ruined the business today. You didn't send out this thing that we need, X, Y, Z, right? Do something where it wouldn't be, and maybe do it the day before you need it done. And if it doesn't get done, you have time to say, listen, you didn't do this. We're going to do this together because this has to get done. And here's what I want you to do, right? So just little, little projects, little tests. And then as they earn your trust, you've got to let go and say, it would be like your child always coming home on time, never missing curfew, like being like the perfect child, but you never give them more responsibility or right. They would start to feel like I'm doing all of these things. And she still doesn't see that I'm capable. That is how your team feels when they are constantly going above and beyond, but you are still holding on so tight. Wow. I really love that analogy. Honestly, from from the team member perspective, yeah. truly, yeah. you know, how they may feel a lack of empowerment, if you will, or 100%. discouragement by you not allowing them to do yeah. more, yeah. especially the ones that really do want it. I think that's very, I think that's a very profound way yeah. to look at it. And I agree with you. Parenting is a lot like it leadership. Is. It's a lot of like lessons. Yeah, That empowerment piece is huge because there are some people that want it. They want to be a leader. They want to step up. They want to say something and you take it serious and then we implement it, right? They want to see that they're being valued. And I think in a lot of places that is not happening. The owner, especially in small business, right? The owner is just like thinking about what they want and what how their way is. And it must be this way because we've always done it this way, right? Really letting people step up and, and give suggestions and then actually taking them once in a while You will light your team on fire when you start to show them, I trust you, I believe in you, I respect you, I love your ideas. They'll keep coming back to you with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, in some shape or fashion, it is it can be a currency for some people. It is yeah. a love language for some people. Like the act of you letting something go and giving it over to them mm-hmm. is a reward. Absolutely. For many, many people. And, mm-hmm. and then that leads to, of course, you know, great employee satisfaction, which leads to high-performing teams, which leads to great results. <laughs> so Absolutely. There's so much potential if you would step into this, like all of the perks that you will get from leaning into this. It's too good to not at least start to try and learn that strategy and that skill set. It takes time. I mean, it's hard to let go. It wasn't easy for me either. But the more you do it and the more they gain your trust, the more you're like, oh, why not? Like, let's let her do this. Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that doesn't ever mean you're not needed back in. Sometimes you got to stick your toe in and help course correct and then you step back out again. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. 
lot about the importance of systems mm-hmm. and automation for business growth. <laughs> so I <do. laughs> uh, you do. So I'd love to if you would share some advice for our leaders who really want to start implementing systems, but yeah. feel like maybe they're starting from scratch. What's a great place to start? Yeah. And it's so funny because I obviously teach this and people will say, I don't know where to start. Like I just, yeah. I don't, un- I don't understand. Now, a lot of people believe systems sound not fun and it just sounds like, oh, that will, you know, like just just not be exciting to the people on our team. But I always tell people systems are exciting for people on your team as well as a CEO because it, you see what is expected of you and people like to know what is expected, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to go first and then maybe mess up, right? They want to know what you think, how this needs to be done. Now, as you start to put systems into place, it really does start to bring that freedom back. In the beginning, the systems you want to start with are the systems that actually make you money. So in the beginning, you want to think about how do I onboard clients, right? Mm -hmm. How do I even sell clients? So somebody just said to me, oh, my customer service rep, she like just answers these emails, but she doesn't understand she should be selling in the email. And when she DMs, like she should be selling in the DMs. And I said, okay, what is the system for responding to DMs and emails? And she was like, um, mm, yeah, no system. Mm. Like, okay. So you expect her to be doing something you've never trained her on. And she's Mm -hmm. like, correct. And a light bulb went off, right? Right. So the first thing I told her to do is go back home and to start to open up some emails and write some sample scripts of how you would go back and reply and sell, right? Like, what does that look like? So in the beginning, when you're doing it by yourself, you make the system. So when you train somebody to step into your DMs or into the customer service email or answer the phone, they know how to answer those FAQs, right? So systematize things where, first of all, systematize what you're frustrated with, right? So think about what happened today or what happened this past week and where were you unhappy with the result that happened? It's most likely from a lack of a system. And Mm -hmm. if you could systematize whatever that frustration is, they will be happier because they'll know what to do and you will be happier because you'll be getting the outcome you were intending. So I think start, start there, start with your frustrations and then start with where the customer, like customer facing type systems of what they feel, right? So in, in my business, when they come into the dance studio, right, I want to make sure that there's a welcome gift and that that is systematized. They know what to give that child and what that looks like and what to say to mom and how to walk her over to the dance studio and introduce her to the teacher, right? In foot traffic, same thing. When somebody buys one of our programs, there's an automated email with step-by-step how to do this and where to go next and and how to get support and, and who to email and all the things, right? Systematizing that onboarding with your clients could make or break how long they spend time with you from now on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love how you talk about and you, you've I've I've heard you coin the phrase, you know, well-oiled operations. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, this is this is the framework in the beginning of what becomes ideally a machine, correct, if you will, so that your team and and you honestly can spend your brain power not thinking about how you're supposed to do something, but yeah. things way bigger than that. Yeah. You don't have to think through the steps of how do I process this invoice or how do right. I onboard this client? You can actually be thinking about 
way more important things than the tasking of those things. Absolutely. And with the idea, like I always say to people, get your business to run without you. Now, mm-hmm. I like working. So I actually mm-hmm. want the business. I want to work in the business. But I don't want to have to work in the business. I want to pick and choose what I love and what lights me up and what excites me today. I don't want to be dreading payroll mm-hmm. or dreading, like, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be thinking, oh, I've got to post on social media today. Like, I want to get all of that off my plate. And the only way to do that is to truly start to figure out, like, well, what are the next steps and who do I hire next? And I'm just a big, big believer in delegating and just continuously. Like, I don't want to add things to my plate. I want to remove things and I want to zone in on what I am truly, really good at. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, that's truly a great goal for any CEO or entrepreneur to have is, is I always say, I always reference myself as not ever wanting to be the bottleneck. And Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to feel like something's waiting on me if I'm out for the day or on vacation. Right. So if I want to step away for a week and enjoy family time, the machine has to run completely without me. I don't want anything mm. to have to wait till I get back. And so that, and there's peace in that as a person, as a woman, yeah. as a mom, as a wife, that, you know, I can truly step out of the business and know nothing's waiting on me. I love that. And it's also for your employees, your team, your contractors. So the fact that if they want to step away for a week vacation, if they're doing something like, mm-hmm. we've got this, we're systematized. Mm-hmm. Like you can be gone. We, our social media manager is getting married and immediately going on her honeymoon. So she took off two mm-hmm. weeks. So it's not just about me being a well-oiled machine. It's what are the systems in place to make sure it doesn't look like she's out of town for two weeks, right? Right, right. So it gives freedom to everybody on the team, not just the CEO. And that's what makes the team want to stay with you because they feel they don't have that pressure on their shoulders either. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a gift. I mean, that's a gift to every human out there. Absolutely. I love that. Great. Okay. So we have this team of people (laughs) that we have working for us now. Another struggle, you know, we see typically is, is really honestly accountability. Mm. You know, so talk to us a little bit of how you can hold teams accountable for their performance without being the overbearing boss. Yeah. So what people typically do is they say, Trisha, could I have this done by Friday? And then they think it's magically like out of my head and Trisha's just going to make it happen. Unfortunately, not everybody just reports what you needed when they needed it with the deadline, right? And a lot of people need accountability or they need the follow-up of where are we at with this? Mm-hmm. Are we on track? Are we on deadline? So one of the biggest things that we do is everybody's weekly to-dos, they're in our project management software and they're wide open for everybody on the team to see. Mm-hmm. Everybody. So if anybody did, wanted to see what I said I was going to do by Friday, they could go onto our board and see my list. And at the end of the week... Everything should be turned to dunce, right? Mm -hmm. And that accountability right there is massive. So what's amazing about seeing on a daily basis, we have this battery that's tied to our weekly to-dos. So we can see we're 42% done this week. Does anybody need help? And when people Mm -hmm. know that they play a part in that battery, they'll start to raise their hand and say, oh, I've got to do this by Friday. Can somebody teach me how to do this? Or I don't know how to do that, right? So I think just putting it out there, making it visible, And making everybody aware versus just this one-on-one relationship, right? Because I think the worst people to hold accountable is the boss because we might not think to go back. 
But sometimes when everybody else can see it, somebody's going to say, wait, we didn't check the board or we didn't check the battery or, right? So just put it out there and and really have that visible for everybody. And it's it's not this like punishment of, it's just, no, it's here's what I said and I'm going to do it. And I'm the leader. So every week I'm marking done on all of the stuff, right? And and they're following that. And every week we reset the tone and say, okay, here's what I'm committing to now. So I think having it public is really helpful. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're really setting the standard by putting mm-hmm. yourself out there f- first and foremost. And Absolutely. by you being done on Friday, like you expect everybody else, you're really practicing what you preach, which Absolutely. I think is huge for executives, mm-hmm. um, that you're in tune with the reality of your team and that you actually model yeah. um, what it is you actually expect them to do as well. And you're in there mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's great. So another thing that, you know, gosh, is so resonating in today's work environment, if you will, is this is this overwhelm and burnout? Is mm-hmm. this, you know, business owners really owning and understanding how to move forward to avoid or get themselves out of what it means to be an overwhelmed, burnt out leader? Mm-hmm. Any advice? Oh, yeah. I mean, now I feel really great. Years ago, I was that person, right? And when I'm talking to friends or, I'm, you know, I'm just at a conference and I'm watching how they can't be there and participate. They have to sneak out in the hallway and talk to somebody or they're texting out the whole time, right? And they're putting out fires. It's, it's really common to see people working seven days a week or not even be able to work an hour or two without being interrupted mm-hmm. via text or project management or Voxer or something like that, right? And I think it, it really comes down to, I always tell people, you'll never finish your to-do list ever. You will never catch up. So I was talking to this guy who was working seven days a week and he's very successful. And I said, and he has children. And I said, why do you have to work Saturday, Sunday? He's like, I just try to catch up on the weekends. And I said, how is that working out for you? And he's like, I'm, I never catch up. I'm like, right. So you'll never catch up. So why do you keep trying to catch up? Like at some point you have to say, it's Friday, closing my computer, I'm walking out of this office and I'm not going to come back till Monday. And that is okay. It's okay. It's not even okay. It's a necessity, right? To slow down, to recharge, to spend time with family, to take a break, right? So I have very good boundaries now. I mean, I pretty much work like nine to three or nine to four, depending on the day. And when I close my computer, my computer stays in my office and I come back the next morning. On the weekends, I never go on my computer. However, I used to be the girl that would put the kids to bed and bring my laptop into my bedroom and I would work till whenever I could and then fall asleep. But then I would miss out on that time in the morning to be productive and to get going, right? So you've got to just decide. And I, and I think this doesn't end. You know, talk, talking to that guy, he was, you know, grossing over a million dollars a year, very successful business. You keep the bad habits. They stay with you. So if you're doing it at a certain stage, you'll keep doing it. At some point, you've got to break that bad habit of just working, working, working. You know, there was a season of time where it was commendable to be mm-hmm. the overworker. You yes. know, 10 years ago, it was like, you know, wow, they're the hustler. Look at them working mm-hmm. seven days a week. And I think the, the, the conversation has changed. It has. And what is success? You know, because I'm with you. Success, yeah. success is you know, having a fulfilled family life and spending time with my children. Mm -hmm. It's not just what my revenue is that year. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, if more people could think that way, gosh. And then to me also, it's it's the behavior you model for your team. So we, yes. you know, years ago, we were in the same place where I'm with you. I was working at 10 o'clock at night because I felt like I had to when I was burning yeah. myself out. But then the team sees me working at 10 o'clock at night. And yep. then the next thing you know, other leaders are working 10 o'clock at night. Because you set and then an their teams, I set an expectation yep. or a standard that it was okay or that everybody should work more. Right to get, you know, get the business to do what it needed to do. And so yeah. it created a very negative environment set yeah. by the leader because I was doing the wrong things. What's funny is people will say, oh, I tell them they don't have to be working that I just like it, to. I'm like, no, no, yes. no. The second you are emailing right. or tagging them in the project management software or voxing them on a Saturday, there is a feeling in there of I need yes. to respond now. So whether you said it or you said don't do it, you, they're still like struggling of should they do it or not. So I actually have a rule for my team because a lot of my team are salary employees. So yeah. they've got flexibility. You are not allowed to be emailing, tagging, messaging. If you're doing something on a Saturday, you better do that privately and nobody should feel you're working. Uh, same. We, we even have it nights and weekends there is no work to be done and nobody should ever know you're doing work. And I actually feel totally accountable to lead by example. So then therefore I don't anymore. Yep. And what a gift. It's completely a gift. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, you are just a nugget of so many amazing resources to leaders and you have so many great resources. Can you give us a rundown of where our listeners can find you, listen to you, yeah. follow you? Yeah, so my two favorite places are, it's the podcast, so Foot Traffic Podcast. And then my second favorite place is Instagram. We, I mean, we crank out content. We are a content machine. We have lots of great reels, especially where not like dancing reels and anything crazy. It's actually like good pieces of content with usually a free template or something to go with it to help guide you. So I would say Instagram at Stacey Tushel or the Foot Traffic Podcast. Yes. And I follow you on Instagram and she's not <laughs> lying, folks. She has a lot of amazing content in Instagram. And what I love about it, it's small, bite-sized, yes. totally actionable nuggets of business advice. So yeah. thank you, Stacy. This conversation has been so good. Guys, Stacy has agreed to hang around a little after this conversation for one more bonus question. We're going to ask you one more key step you can take to start leveling up your leadership. You don't want to miss it, guys. So stick around um, to hear the clip. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you a link to our bonus content or visit onenextsteppodcast.com where you will find the link in our show notes. That was such a great conversation between Trisha and Stacy Tushel. I feel like I learned so much and there were so many nuggets of wisdom, LZ. I know. I agree. I think the process Stacy shared could completely transform any business. Now, we have one next step for our listeners to take. I want you to head on over to the show notes page to access today's resource and take the first next step towards elevating your business. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for this week's One Next Step. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. And if you're ready to start accomplishing more and juggling less, go to belaysolutions.com. Join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you advance your business one step at a time. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com. Next week, we'll have an extra special masterclass with my fabulous One Next Step co-host and our Belay CFO, Lisa Zeeveld. In this episode, we'll be talking about how you can lead anyone from anywhere and become a successful leader of a modern hybrid team. 
You definitely don't want to miss it. Here's a quick preview. Taking the time for that employee to share with you where they feel like they're winning, what they want to celebrate with you, what they need help with, and you doing that in return. And we get that feedback all the time that people are like, oh, I just had an, like, an annual review. Again, you're missing all the details if you're doing it that far apart. So do it quarterly and offer that feedback. It's going to make all the difference in the world with your team, I promise. 